Hello, it's great to have your company here on Search for Truth Radio. Brian Johnston, your Bible teacher, is with me once again for week 12 of our series called Our God Reigns, the Awesome Sovereignty of God. This week it's the ultimate study in seeing the sovereignty of God as far as this world is concerned. Brian's called today's talk Managing the World, and it begs the question, is God really in control of this world, and how is it shown? That's uh, evidently two questions. So I'll leave Brian with his Bible to discuss them and more. And we'll be dipping into the New Testament this week, if you've your Bible handy. But now, here's Brian. Thanks, John. Anyone who's had the slightest interest in American politics has surely got used to the way the word administration is used over there. You might read about, for example, the Clinton administration and hear it contrasted with the Obama administration. Each incoming president puts his own team in place and policies begin to take their distinctive shape. The way each president runs things is different from the way his predecessors did it. I mention that because it's possible to read the Bible and see this whole world as a household run by God. That way of viewing things is encouraged by finding the word oikonomia in our Bibles. It literally means the law of the house or the law of the household. This word, often translated as stewardship, means an administration, whether of a house or property or a nation, or as we're thinking of it, as the administration of the human race or any part of it at any given time. Just as a parent would govern his household in different ways, according to varying needs at different times, so God has at different times dealt with humanity in different ways, but always overall for his glory. In his household world, God is seen to be stewarding or administering its affairs as he himself chooses and in various stages of revelation as time progresses. These various stages are what we might call different economies in the outworking of God's total purpose. And these different economies form the administrations or dispensations. The understanding of God's differing economies is essential to a proper interpretation of his revelation within them. For one thing, it helps us to see how God's plans for the church, which is the body of Christ, doesn't replace his separate plans for the nation of Israel. And so there's another idea that's important for understanding the Bible and the God of the Bible. It's what's been called progressive revelation. Progressive revelation is the recognition that God's message to us, his truth, was not given all at once, but unpacked in a series of stages. The varying stages of revelation show God working in different ways at different times. Spotting this allows us to divide the history of the world into separate administrations. It can be helpful to arrange the stages of divine revelation into the sequence of dispensations, as they're often termed. In biblical use, a dispensation is the stewardship of a particular revelation of God's purposes. And this in turn brings added responsibility to those to whom the revelation is given by God. Each stage adds to the whole body of truth for which humans are responsible in the gradual unfolding revelation of God's purpose and salvation. The principle of progressive revelation 
is really quite obvious straight from the pages of our Bible. Paul told his audience on Mars Hill that in a former day, God had overlooked their ignorance, but now he commands repentance. And again, the majestic opening of the book of Hebrews outlines the progressive revelation by means of prophets before Christ came. Another example may be found in Jesus telling his followers that he was going away, but another helper, the Holy Spirit, would come, and from then on the Spirit would not only remain with them, but be internal to them. That was the dramatic difference Pentecost would make. That's one of the change points of the differing dispensations or the differing administrations that we've been talking about. As we've seen there, the main points of change between different stages of progressive revelation of truth to us by God are made quite plain by the Bible itself. Let's start near to the beginning of recorded history with the Apostle Paul saying in Romans 5 and verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offence of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. That's fairly obvious, isn't it? From Adam until Moses was the period of early history before God gave detailed laws, before the Ten Commandments. The Lord Jesus himself clarifies the total extent of the period during which the law of Moses characterised God's dealings with men and women. When he said in Luke 16 and verse 16, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached. Now, John the Baptist was the Lord's forerunner. And one of the most striking verses that shows the different ways of God's dealing with the world of men and women is found in John chapter 1 and verse 17, which says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realised through Jesus Christ. That clear statement in the prologue to John's gospel marks out for us how dramatically the divine economy changed with the coming of Christ. Of course, we really shouldn't expect anything else to be the case. The way God managed his relationship with the world of humans was revolutionised at that time. But let me make this clear. It wasn't that there was one way of salvation from eternal damnation in the Old Testament and a different one from New Testament times onwards. That's not what we're saying. Abraham and David, etc., were saved by faith just as we are. Check out Romans chapter 4. But the law acted like a tutor, Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, to bring people to Christ, the Jews particularly. During the period of the law, God was revealing how serious a problem sin is, and its sacrificial system was intended to help us to understand the necessity of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Then the cross would usher in yet another new administration of God's dealings with humanity. And it was to the Apostle Paul that clear insight was given about this. This is him sharing this momentous fact with the local church of God at Ephesus. In Ephesians 3 and verse 8, he says, To me, to Paul, the very least of all saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ, 
and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Those are words we need to reflect on. For a start, Paul is talking about something kept secret, a truth previously hidden. Only at this stage of history, after the cross, after Pentecost, did God begin, principally through the Apostle Paul, to disclose the revelation that would define the period between the coming of the Spirit and the return of Christ to receive all believers to be with himself forever, as he'd promised. In this third chapter of the Bible letter to Ephesus, Paul explains that Gentiles are now on an equal footing with Jews. When anyone believes in the Lord Jesus and so receives Christ, he or she is born again spiritually and becomes a member of the church that Christ calls his body. Every Christian believer enters then into an eternal union with his or her saviour, who is the head of the church that's described metaphorically as his body. Christ and his church will be eternal companions, so close that human marriage is the best way to picture it. This happens in the present church age. But after Christ returns to take his bride, the church, it's then God will begin another stage of his developing plan, with the focus once again returning to the Israelis. Matthew 24, verse 21. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. It will be the toughest time ever to be on earth, certainly for Jewish believers who finally embrace Yehoshua as their Messiah, but tough also for any who turn to the Lord then. In every stage or distinctive period of God's stewardship, God has his chosen ones, whether it's the Old Testament period, the current church age, or the future time of Israel's trouble. We can read in our Bible about the elect of each of these distinct periods of God's dealings with our human race. When that brief but troubled period is over, There will then be glorious and profound peace under the reign of Christ on this earth for a thousand years. In the verses that follow, Paul describes this as another distinct time of God's stewardship known as the administration of the fullness of the times. He says in Ephesians chapter 1 around verse 9, In all wisdom and insight he has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. But even that's not the end, although it will be for this old world. 2 Peter 3 and 10, Peter tells us, the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That will finally be the end of history for this planet. The day of God will have dawned as an eternal day. 
Till then, God is managing everything in its time to this glorious never-ending. Thanks, Brian, for your study today. And as usual, I remind you that these study talks are available to download online or as a transcript book. And here's how to obtain the book. Either you can get it yourself by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media, or if you're not able to do that and need to request a, a hard copy book, just write in and ask for the title Our God Reigns. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know that if you go to the website I just mentioned at churchesofgod.info forward slash media, you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off air, that is by audio podcast or MP3 versions. So why don't you have a go and see what you can find to enjoy? Now, if you've been following this series each week, I hope you're enjoying it and gaining a greater awareness of the awesome power and sovereignty of God. Next time, it's the penultimate talk in this series, and it's headed, A Final Word on Prayer. So I look forward to you joining me. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers, and me, John. So see you again soon, and in the meantime, may God richly bless you all.